It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Wednesday, the 3rd of November, and another beautiful day here on the Gulf Coast of Florida. I am indeed Paul Sickman, and my co-host is always from Rocky Top, and the volunteer network is Brandon Parks. Good afternoon, Mr. Parks. Hey, Paul. It is fall in East Tennessee. I can tell you it's a beautiful day up here, although the temperatures are probably slightly lower here than they are in beautiful Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it's officially November. Uh, which I will tell you is arguably the busiest month of the college sports calendar with the overlap of football and basketball, but it's an exciting time. Certainly exciting time on Rocky Top for the Vols as we enter November with some things to play for on the football field. Uh, and I must ask you about your Florida State Seminoles and the uh, the big tilt uh, you had with Clemson. And did you call that last play of the game? Was that you? Yeah, I I, I... – you know, because I'm such a huge gambler, I wanted to make sure that everyone in Vegas was paying attention. And so to be able to, to get my message down to Mike and, and tell him if you could run something so uh, ridiculous that it gives everyone a reason to stay tuned to ESPN for those last 30 seconds and make sure that Vegas is also available. And everyone that's garnet and gold can throw a spear right through their television because the play had no chance of working but did lose everyone a lot of money. I think all those things were my fault, yes. Well, I, I have always been astounded at how how good Vegas can be at projecting these lines in games and the over and unders and so forth, and they never cease to amaze me. But that the ending of the Clemson-Florida State game uh, maybe took the cake on anything I had ever seen relative to sports gambling. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it, it was nuts. And, and of course, you know, the, it, the game wasn't over until there were you know, what, 40 seconds left in the game, and then for it to end that way was, right. was nuts. But with you said you said it true. The basketball season is, is here. It's here next week, and, and the overlap, you're right, it's incredibly busy, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to take some time to talk about the differences in sponsorship execution uh, between basketball and football. Um, and I, I think, you know, off the top, they're just so dramatically different, you know, in terms of how fans consume them, uh, in the arenas, uh, in the stadiums, they're just completely different. Uh, and, and, but I want, before we even go there, I want to talk a little bit about, um, some of the data capture promotions that are so big for, for everyone. Uh, you know, when you, the most success, we talked about those before with off season stuff, Brandon, when, when we have done the most successful promotions we've done in the last probably three to five years from a football perspective have been in the off season, we do things in the summer, July, August, in the prelude, everyone's undefeated, all those things. And there's no noise because there's no sports. Right. But you can't do that with basketball, right? Because there is all the noise in the world. I mean, October, November is, as you just said, the busiest time of the sports year for in college sports because football is going crazy and basketball is, is almost forgotten in some ways until January, uh, even on campuses where it's a big deal because football right. ends and then everyone kind of turns the page. So from a data capture perspective, it's harder to pull off basketball stuff than football stuff. Wouldn't you agree? hundred percent agree. And it, it, you know what? They are almost polar opposites. And I think you know that there is this huge buildup. Once you, once you get past the July 4th holiday, this build, this 60 day buildup to the kickoff to football season is just monumental. And 
basketball almost starts without you even noticing that it did start. Uh, and because you're in the middle of football season still, and you're getting to that point in the season where you're looking at, am I in playoff contention? Am I, are we going to qualify for a bowl? Which bowl is it going to be? Who could we potentially play? And, and, and also football starts the competition because you play so few games in football, every game matters. Well, when you transition to basketball, you're looking more at a 30-game schedule, and a lot of those, I'm going to call them pre-conference games that you play in November and December, uh, are really warm-up, tune-up games, a chance for you to get better. Um, and, and so you do not have nearly the focus on the tip-off to basketball season as you do the kickoff to football season. Uh, That's very true. Which from, you know, and from a marketing perspective, that, that makes it a completely different conversation around activation, um, lead generation, those kinds of things. Uh, I think we attack basketball quite differently than we do football. Yeah, and we, we have, uh, you know, some obviously some relationships with schools that are very much basketball focused. I mean, Indiana and Purdue, I just think of right away uh, that are, I mean, is there a more basketball-centric state in the world than Indiana? But with those two schools, what we have done is we have used football season to promote a major basketball concept, whether it is uh, a flyaway to a key away game, whether it is hanging out with uh, an iconic member of a, of a Hoosier or Boilermaker past uh, to go to a game. But we've used the entire football season and all the inventory in football to promote a basketball-centric piece, which is a little bit probably unusual. Uh, and it probably may not work in the South because people in football want to talk about football, but where basketball is right. uh, a bigger deal, that's what we've done there. But it is harder. And, and so from a data capture perspective, it, it's just more difficult. But having said that, when the page turns in January, you know, if you're in a Power 5 conference, uh, there are opportunities uh, to, to, to make a difference. And I think then that's where creativity comes in and trying to do things that, that really do capture uh, people's imaginations and fun uh, and so it can be done. It can be. Um, and I th basketball lends itself to really a different marketing discussion uh, in the sense that football, you have these limited number of games, limited number of home games. Um, and so you have this fan following that comes from far and wide into these gargantuan stadiums where we have these huge numbers. And so you see a significant amount of sponsorship marketing activation around those events. Well, when you transition to basketball, uh, obviously the audience size is smaller. Uh, you may have 15, 20,000 people in your arena instead of 100,000 people in your football stadium, uh, but your frequency of games goes up significantly. So you're playing a minimum of 30 games. Um, and that fan base that's traveling into your basketball arena is probably going to be more localized Yeah, 50 miles. Uh, versus, yeah, versus a statewide following that you see in football. Um, and, and so from a marketing perspective, I think it lends itself to those that, that you look at within your general DMA, uh, where, you know, you can hit a targeted market. Um, and the, and the actual game day atmosphere around basketball is a much shorter time window. Uh, you may be what, three hours, three and a half hours from the time the gates open till the time the gates close. Right. Um, so it's a, it's a much shorter window, but there, I think there are some real advantages around that. Uh, certainly around TV viewable signage, which is something we can talk more about. I think, I think football's almost tried to follow basketball's lead and create more TV viewable options. Uh, but basketball, the way that it's set, 
uh, with the court and then the court side TV viewable signage that you see there or the goal stanchion signage that you see in a lot of places. Basketball lends itself so well to TV viewable corporate visibility. No, that's um, and the, and the football stadiums are all different. Uh, while all the fields are 100, 100 yards in length and the end zones and so forth, but just, just camera angles and so forth, it's more challenging in football than it is in basketball. Um, but, but again, I, I think the, the real opportunity in basketball is the frequency of games. And if you are someone that sponsors football, then it extends your sponsorship calendar window in the year and takes you literally into March. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking more at a six month activation window, but it's a ramped up frequency in basketball because of the volume of games that you're playing, uh, more localized in audience. Uh, but, but then again, the, the, the TV viewable signage helps you from, from a regional and a national level. So um, it, it's, it's a different mindset when you think about what's going to work in basketball maybe versus what works in football. Yeah, you t- signage, I, I, that was one of the notes I had talking about signage because I think that's one a huge advantage that basketball has over football, and you said it all very well. The two key pieces there are the courtside sign, uh, signage that, is, that has become ubiquitous, uh, and then, as you said, the stanchion stuff that's, uh, uh, that's on, on the goalpost. But the stanchion pieces are all, although they're lovely, they're, they're pure brand. Uh, you can't do sure. anything more than just brand them. What is the sideline, what gives that an advantage is that, and this is one of my pet peeves, is clients that don't treat that as what it should be, which is a changeable medium. Uh, and, and you can use the sideline LEDs to drive traffic. You can use the LEDs to drive traffic into your store, onto your website, ask for an order. Uh, the sideline LEDs can do more than just throw a logo 32 times. Uh, and, and for a lot of schools, even football schools, their sideline um, rotationals, the, the one-minute rotationals or two-minute, however they school sells them, is the most valuable piece of signage inventory they have in the bucket. Absolutely. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee would fall in line right there. Uh, our courtside LED signage in basketball, uh, if you're looking for TV visibility, is the most premium asset we have. Uh, and I do think it's fascinating if you if you watch throughout college basketball season and you're watching a lot of games across a lot of conferences, you'll see a consistent few national brands that are always showing up. It may be a Kansas game to start the day and then you're at Villanova, then you're at the Florida for the SEC game and you're seeing that same brand show up at all of those venues and I think part of the thought process behind that is rather than buying 30 second spots within the regional or national television broadcast, why don't we just go buy rotational signage at each of these schools? And in some instances, I think I think companies have been able to do that and do it probably uh, at a lesser price than if they had bought traditional 30 second spot. Inventory. I agree. And, and by doing that, they can, as you said, they can getting 100 schools as opposed to just the 64 or 68, whatever that number is, that make the tournament. And those are all neutral site venues where you get nothing anyway. So the only way to get any exposure during that is to pay a premium for all the spots. So you can do some execution locally uh, and and have it across swaths of your region and really marry your footprint perfectly if you're a brand as opposed to, you know, maybe some waste when you're buying the tournament and you're talking to maybe 30 or 40 or 60% of the country that you're not even have any distribution. So I completely agree. And so the courtside stuff is, is you know, in, in my, you know, I have to negotiate this against people like you. And so I think sometimes it's overpriced, which is fine. 
Um, that's not what we're going to pay, but I think, but, but, but ultimately. The, Paul, have I ever pitched you something that was overpriced? A hundred percent of the and time. You, and you do not have to answer that. <laughs> uh, if you didn't overprice it when you first called me, then we, you wouldn't be doing your job. But I, I, you know, so I think what, again, what my pet peeve there is, I don't think it's executed very, very well all the time. If all you want to do is brand, great. Uh, then I would I would buy the stanchion stuff, but the the sideline stuff I think you could do some amazing things with. But I want to talk about moving on from signage for a second. It, just the nature of basketball, uh, really, and and how it compares to football. And I think we talked about this. We kind of skirted around it before, but I, you know I just want every person who is maybe uh, listening to this, mostly our marketers listening to this. But if you're a fan during a football game, you are in between plays when marketing assets are being uh, given to you so you're, you're otherwise engaged I mean if you're in a football game and that 25 second or 40 second clock is running down or maybe even the two and a half minute clock is running for a commercial uh, just think about what you do as a fan you're looking at the field you're looking at the coaches you're looking at the interaction down on the field you're looking all over the place you might be looking at uh, uh, the mascot or the cheerleaders or thing but you're focused on the game. You're talking about that last play. You're talking about the fumble. You're talking. There's so much activity in your little bubble of your people that you're around that the stuff that happens on the video board, unless it's unbelievably engaging, uh, it tends to kind of wash through. It doesn't. It's not memorable. You're not. You're probably not reaching for your phone uh, and engaging with something as they ask you to engage. Uh, it's just the nature of being outside or in a venue that has 60, 70, in your case, 100,000 people. Now take that same person and put them inside an arena, as you said very well, 15,000, 10,000, whatever that number is. And there's a break in the action. There is a one-minute break in the action or even a 30-second break in the action. And all the video boards in sync come on with something. Because the teams are basically in a huddle doing nothing, there's nothing for you to engage in, in terms of on the court. You are then totally engaged with all the things that are happening in front of you, whether that's an on-court promotion, whether that's a video board promotion. It's just a completely different way to consume the game in arena. And I think that lends itself to basketball having wild success with one-sixth or one-tenth of the people with promotions. It is, and the, the basketball environment, and you nailed it, it just becomes much more intimate than the football environment. Uh, the magnitude of football is just so large. Uh, but when you, when, you do, when you do enter the basketball arena, it does feel like a more confined area, and you're exactly right. When there's a timeout in the action, fans are literally looking for what is the next content that I'm going to consume, and whether that's something that appears on the video board or it's someone that's coming in to shoot a half-court shot um, and, and how we make up for what we lose in numbers in, in football to basketball, we make up in volume of games. Uh, you know, historically, you play seven, six to seven home football games a year. Well, in basketball, you could play 15 to 20 home games. Um, and so we'll take that smaller audience size and we'll, we'll, we'll hit them with frequency. And the beauty of that frequency is, just as you said, you, you literally are getting the 100% attention of everyone that's in the arena because they're counting on the marketing teams to do something to keep them entertained during that two, two and a half minutes of timeout period. Yeah. You know, and what, some of the most successful promotions that we have ever done, and by success I'm talking about things that, that where people got up and after that event or during the week, they reacted. They changed their habit 
to do something that my sponsor wanted them to do, whether that's coming in and get a free app or going on a website uh, or using a coupon. They changed their habit because we asked them to change their habit in the game. Th those successful promotions are almost invariably in Olympic sports or basketball or baseball. I mean, it, because I it, it's just that's when people are paying attention. And, and, and I've had more... It, the, the most bizarre situation we've ever had here at Knox Sports when we've had clients that have told us to stop because something is too successful is yes. almost invariably at basketball. I hope that was the lady model, I, so people would have gone hungry. Yes, we and we have the we've had these same type situations in the past where the client has said we can't handle the volume. We're going to have to we're going to have to scale this back. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and basketball does so well with trigger promotions, right? Um, and I can think back over the years where if the Vols scored 90 points, then you won a, and I'll use them as our example, you won a free Chick-fil-A sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Well, that's that's a low blow because we're getting a lot better in basketball. And we're going to have a really good team in basketball this year. And I think we're at the end of the year, you and I are going to count up the 90-point games. Uh, we've already got one, by the way. Um, <laughs> but we, we would get to the end of those games, and as, as we got into the 80s, the fans were so in tune to the promotion that they start chanting chicken from the stands. No doubt. Because they want that free chicken sandwich. Um, and, you know, and so that, that works for any of the trigger type promotions, number of three pointers, uh, steals, blocks, rebounds, all those kind of things. Um, but it does, to your point, feel like that in basketball, getting the attention of the fans in the stands is not nearly as difficult as it is in football. That's right. Um, and, and I will tell you, because it is a shorter activation window, you know, where football feels like it's all day, but it's definitely uh, three and a half, four, five hours inside of a venue. You know, basketball uh, gates open to gates closed could be three to three and a half hours. But in reality, the game's the game's scheduled for two hours. What you get in that window is fewer partners that are able to run through because of the limited inventory, but that creates real value if you are a brand that's activating as part of basketball. And at, and at Tennessee, and this is a completely different part of the conversation, at Tennessee, we're, we're very unique in the sense that we've had this historically rich traditional women's program that complements our men's program, but it's a completely different audience and fan base. There's less than 10% crossover between our men's and women's teams as far as season ticket holders are concerned. So I have a completely separate and different demographic that I can reach on the women's side than I'm trying to reach on the men's side. So I literally have two tenants inside our facility with two different audiences to be able to go out and market to based on a client's needs. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I think about promotions. I, I just think back when I was probably in my 20s, which is, you know, back in the 20s. Um, no, uh -huh. no, the old Chicago Stadium, though, that'll tell you how old it was. Uh, the old Chicago Stadium, I went to a Bulls game, and it was the first time I'd ever seen one of these. They had a video board promotion where, I think it was Doritos, where they had like a little race and they had the cars that went around. It's the first time I've ever seen it. It's done everywhere now, but it was the first time I saw it. Everyone in the stadium, when you walked in, were given a color a little piece of paper with a color on it, and your coupon only hit, which was like a dollar off a Dorito bag. Your coupon only hit if your car won. And and I, I just remember just being in a basketball stadium, a pro basketball stadium, with all these you know angry, drunk, rich people. Uh, and, and you've got this thing happening on the screen, and when it finished, it was like a Super Bowl of confetti. 
because people all took their losing ticket and threw it in the air. And, and of course, yeah. people, you know, the people that won got to keep their color and maybe they used it for their Doritos bag. But I just was blown away as a marketer at engagement before that was a web term, before it was, a you know, all those other you know, methodologies we use now to measure how much a fan cares about the moment. Uh, and it was yeah. awesome. And that was a basketball game. And that was an early adoption. I don't think any of that's changed. People still are engaged uh, in what they see at basketball. And if you make it fun, they'll do it. I, and so the last point I wanted to make, Brandon, really about basketball for me, and you probably have more on your list, but is the difference for me is that it is a family and really specifically afford the opportunity to have kids execute a promotion. In other words, when you, in football, if you think about how many things you can do with a 5 to 12-year-old, it's hard in stadium, right? It's just hard. Right. Right. But in basketball, it's almost endless. You could have them, you know, feeding balls and warm-ups. You could have them cleaning the sweat off the floor with a broom. You could have them handing yeah. a ball. There is all these fun executions that is completely okay in basketball because there's no risk of injury or a flying football or all the other things that happen inside a football stadium and it, or getting lost and having their kids lose them on the field, which would be awful. Um, but anyway, so you have basketball opportunities for kids and families promotionally that are unique. And I think that's, that. It, I guess that's separate from football. I think that certainly extends to the other sports too, with, with softball, so, you know, baseball and, and, and soccer, et cetera, right. et cetera. But that is what's something in me that we've had a lot of success with is companies that say, Hey, listen, we want to talk to Timmy and, 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 and Joan who are five and eight uh, and their parents specifically and basketball lends itself to that. It does. And to, to piggyback on that, Football becomes such a long day, uh, extended day. Um, I will tell you, I think basketball is a much more family-driven environment because the, the time window and the commitment from the family is not as large as it is in football. That's a good point. You can keep um, awake. You can. Um, and it's a shorter window. It's usually easier to park. Um, and it lends itself to more of a family-friendly atmosphere versus the marathon that is a college football Saturday in today's world. No, you're right. Uh, you're right. And, you know what, Brandon? Think about that. If you're just a six-year-old and you don't know anything about yeah. sports, you know, a basketball yeah. game will entertain you just from watching the ball go up and down and all the movement. 100%. And, you know, you think about in the football world, these massive tailgates that people now host. Well, if a, if a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, I have a nine-year-old, he's a great example. If he doesn't have a football to toss with one of his buddies, he's bored at the tailgate. Right. Because that, that's more of an adult activity. It really yeah, speaks to how to much how, how poor the food is you're serving, too. I think we, we need to do a well, better job at home. Fair enough. Um, but, you know, he would much rather go up to the pregame fan fest area and go through the inflatable games and get all the premium items from the sponsors and so forth. But in basketball, it's completely different. It's a completely different experience. And, and I do think it becomes more family driven there. Uh, and I do think you're right. There are more opportunities around the court uh, with some of the things that you mentioned, but then also in-game promotions where uh, kids may dress up, dribble down the court, shoot a layup. The first one to do it wins a prize. Right. You know, there are a lot more of those things that go on. Uh, and, and, and I think basketball does a better job with that. Yeah. In college, the band, um, the bands are louder and more engaged. The girls, the, yeah. whether it's the dance team or the cheerleaders, whether, you know, they're all bigger. So you get to see them, you get to see their movements, you get to see their fun and you get to see their, and get all those things are bigger and visible. Whereas they can all be sometimes lost in football. Yeah. 
and and I'll say this: football to basketball. When we look at the importance of the the digital world and what we do now in social media and so forth, basketball just based on the frequency of games creates such a real advertising marketing opportunity. Uh, when you think about uh, game by game uniform reveals, what will your team wear for tomorrow night's game? That is such a that's such a sponsorable asset. It's perfect. Yeah. And then once you get to the game. Um, you, we've had, we have a company that presents the final score graphic. Well, in addition to the final score graphic, we'll usually post something at halftime. And so we bonus that partner on that halftime exposure. And then you start looking at the volume and the frequency that becomes a legitimate marketing play. And at the end of the year, I can go back to the client and say, you had 60 posts across three games. We reached 10 million impressions. You had 200,000 engagements. And then that becomes, those become legitimate numbers in a recap um, in a ba- that basketball can deliver that football necessarily can't. Yeah, because, and, and, and you're right, because the football stuff is just, there's so much, the volume is overwhelming uh, that sometimes you're lost where this is, uh, um, it can stand out. That's a good point. Absolutely. And, and I think that same conversation can be had when you look at the radio play-by-play broadcast, which is a traditional asset for us. But what we what we may miss in the length of the broadcast uh, and the amount of people that are in the arena, we make it up with volume of games uh, and then and then the overall listenership. Um, so it's it's pretty fascinating to go back and look at um, at the end of the year what you generated in attendance in football versus what you generated in total attendance in basketball, knowing you had so many more games. Uh, the numbers flush out. You'd be surprised, like at Tennessee where you've got a successful men's and women's basketball team and a successful football team or sometimes successful football team. Um, When you look at total attendance, uh, I think the pre COVID number, Tennessee was over 1 million fans had gone through the turnstiles Mm -hmm. uh, between those three sports added up. Uh, So, and, and, and it's not all the same audience uh, which, which as a marketer makes it, makes it pretty exciting from our perspective because we can do some pretty cool targeted things. Well, let's hope in, in, in a year or two uh, that we are not basketball schools anymore, Brandon, uh, that we are back to being football and basketball schools, but that's all in the future. And for those of you who are listening, thank you. Uh, that'll do it this week for Knox Talk. Uh, on behalf of Brandon Parks, I'm Paul Sickman from Knox Sports. Thanking you for listening to another edition. We'll see you in a couple weeks.